Blog Talk Radio. edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. It's the podcast devoted to the discussion of news and politics from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy objectivism. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and join me here in the studio for a while at least today is Bosch Faustin. A few minutes. Cartoonist Bosch Faustin. And here's what we would like to discuss, and I'm going to be a little bit cryptic about it, and you'll see how it all comes together as we go through the discussion. We will be talking about time, honesty, and Benghazi. Not necessarily in that order, as a matter of fact, sort of intertwined in the different topics. Okay, Time, honesty, and Benghazi. We have uh, a couple other things. At the end, I might want to talk about Iron Man, Iron Man 3, with some spoilers, and we'll give you plenty of time with the spoiler alert. But let me uh, invite you to talk about Time, honesty, and Benghazi with us today. Phone number 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. Or you can join us in the chat room. I see that there are some people hanging out here in the chat room. People are talking about Cinco de Mayo. And Bosch was asking me earlier today, he says, well, you know, what is Cinco de Mayo? And all I've ever known about Cinco de Mayo is that it's some sort of Mexican celebration, which is a great excuse for eating some of your favorite Mexican food. However, if you have the idea that you're going to go to your favorite Mexican restaurant and have a leisurely meal on Cinco de Mayo, good luck. I had mine uh, two days ago. Excellent guacamole, et cetera. So, you know, it's it's just... Yeah, so, someone's on the phone. If you do call in at 760-888-5817 and you do want to ask a question, make sure you click the little indicator. I know that some people actually listen to the show on the phone line, so I'm going to assume you're doing that unless I see a little question mark indicator in my right. chat room. Okay. You know, uh, Finger, what, what do you call it? Telephone board. It's switchboard. 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 That's the word. That That is the antiquated version of what I see here on my computer screen. Switchboard. Anyway, hello, everybody. A uh, couple announcements. First, Stephanie here in the chat room has asked me to go ahead and make an announcement for Yaron Brooks' appearance in Toronto tomorrow. So if you are in the Toronto, Canada area tomorrow, you can go ahead and see your own Brooke appear live. Give a give a good talk, and he's always excellent. The I love the URL for finding out more information. It's Yaronto, Y-A-R-O-N, like Yaron's name, and then T-O, like Toronto at the end. So it's Yaronto.com. You can find out. So it looks like everyone's going to have a good time there. And, and of course, Stephanie, you'll have to say hi to your own for us and uh, tell him that we did our duty in plugging his talk on this show. I mean, he, he's he's the president of Don't Let It Go Unheard, after yeah. all, and he appears here so many times that we owe him about 12 plugs for anything he wants to plug. So um, the other thing I wanted to say, a little program announcement, is that this show has been picked up by something called Liberty Express Radio. 
And as I as best I understand it, Liberty Express Radio is an online streaming talk radio station on which you can hear what are essentially rebroadcasts of talk shows by a number of free market oriented talk show hosts. So there's Peter Schiff and there's Butler on business and then there's me. Ha no, I'm I'm totally joking. I feel very happy about being picked up by this. I mean, I'm kind of I'm such a small fry compared to those guys. Um but there's a, an assortment of hosts. You can go to libertyexpressradio.com and you can see the entire lineup. I'm going to be part of the weekend lineup and as I understand they're going to be uh you know, playing my show twice each weekend from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, I believe, um, and it's going to be a rebroadcast. So what I'm going to be doing in order to give Liberty Express Radio a fresher show is move this show. I'm going to move the live show to Friday. So I'm going to do the show Friday at the same time each week, starting this coming Friday, May 10th. So starting May 10th, you can find me on Fridays, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm hoping that you can still all join me, and that would be wonderful if you can still join me live, either call in or in the chat room. But that's what we're going to be doing. I think it's going to be a cool outlet for the show. I think especially we're with those two, at least those two and others, we're in mm-hmm. good company. So that's that's an exciting development. Okay, let's dive in. As I said, time, honesty, and Benghazi. First question. For how many of you is eight months a long time ago? For how many of you was eight months a long time ago? Mm. Anybody in the chat room? (laughs) Nobody raising their hand? Stephanie says, eight months is never a long time ago. Kisco Kid in the chat room says, not me. Uh, Patrick mm-hmm. says, depends on what sort of situation we are talking about. Okay. Why are you trying to get away with something? Uh, Robert, New York City says, still have not forgotten Benghazi no matter how long ago. Okay, so he's right. Robert's starting to give it away here. Uh, Joseph K. in the chat room says, it depends. <laughs> Stephanie says, not even a human gestation period for Christ's sakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you could mm-hmm. have, you know, a full-term infant right. at eight months, but... You know, it's better if they bake for the full nine months, right? Good point. So, according to Joseph Carney, White House spokesman, eight months. Yeah, Jay Carney. Oh, excuse me, Jay Carney, not Joseph. I'm sorry. Joseph in the chat room, I'm smearing him. No, it's Joke Carney, right. Joke Carney? Oh, okay. No, but it's Jay Carney. White House spokesman Jay Carney, he thinks that Benghazi, which happened eight months ago, Happened a long time ago. So yep. I guess according to him, eight months is a long time ago. It happened a long time ago. Uh, now, I think Patrick in the chat room had a good point, which is that certain situations, if you say, okay, what did I have for breakfast huh. in uh, on September 11th, 2012, that was a long time then ago. eight months was a long time ago to think about what you had for breakfast. Now, it might have been a particularly memorable breakfast, but usually breakfast is not that memorable so that you could say, yeah, I could talk easily about what I had for breakfast eight months ago. But if you're talking about Americans getting killed overseas and our armed forces not coming to their rescue in any way, shape, or form, and people being puzzled about that, 
I don't think eight months is a very long time ago at all. No, I, I guess they feel that they've been covering up for eight months, so that for them it's like a long time. Like every day they keep covering up. You know, oh, that's true. It's exhausting like, they're, they're, they're to cover things up like, for eight ugh. months. That's right. That's right. But this was interesting. I, I watched the little video. It was a very short video. I wouldn't even call this taking a hit yeah. because I found it fascinating. I, I watched it a long time um, ago, the video. That's, you watched that, the video yeah. a long time ago? So yeah. what's a long time ago in that context? Uh, two days. Think, two two yeah. days ago was a long time ago for watching a, a piece of news video. Anyway, I, I watched the video not a long time ago. I watched it this afternoon, but I had heard about it before. I knew I had to watch it for myself. So... So Carney says, you know, Benghazi says, you know, happened a long time ago. And then he appears to be reading from a statement when he says the following. Okay, so let's parse what he says here. He says, we are unaware. Okay, so let's translate. We are unaware. We told everybody not to tell us. There's the translation. So he says, we are unaware of any agency blocking an employee who would like to appear before Congress to provide information related to Benghazi, end quote. Okay, so I already took the we are unaware. So that was, you know, we told everybody not to tell us. Um, we're unaware of any agency. Okay, right. well, an right. agency or is it an individual? Right. Okay, and then blocking. Well, right. we didn't block him, right? right? We We yes. just... Threatened him because that's him, look, what we're hearing. We're hearing that they're getting, yeah. yes. they're, they're getting threatened. They're getting threatened, and we believe it because it's a lying administration. Yeah, um, blocking an employee. Okay, I don't know. Maybe current employee, former employee. You know, I, I mean, there's there's just different ways that you could parse this, right? He was reading. If you go back yeah. and look at that video, Carney was looking down as he was saying this statement to make sure that he got every exact word correct. Okay, so we are unaware of any agency blocking an employee who would like to appear. Was somebody maybe uh, summoned to appear? Yeah. Compelled to appear. Right. right. So they're, 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 very, they're parsing the words, right? Right. Like to appear before Congress to provide information related to Benghazi. Is it provide information related to uh, related to Benghazi? Okay, let's parse that part. Well, it wasn't information related to Benghazi. It was information directly about Benghazi. Right. So, so there are so many ways for them to weasel out of this particular statement you, that Jay Carney was visibly looking down on the page and right, reading exactly. right after he said, eight months is a long time ago. I don't know if, if you're going to mention it, but did you hear about Obama when he said, I don't know about this notion. He called it a notion that people are being threatened. You know, a notion. Right, I right. Mean, everyone knows about it. We know about it. The president says, America, imagine what he knows that we don't know. Yeah. So he knows this, but yeah. he's lying. Again, what's new? No, and, and notion is is a disgusting. His word. middle name will be Benghazi from here on. I mean, that's it. So, so I think you know, in terms of saying that you know, eight months is a long time ago. Uh, first of all, you have some kind of cover up. Either, as Bosch pointed out, that you're tired for covering this up for eight months. You're exhausted a long time. So there's that. That yeah. that's a good one, yeah. Bosch. Um, but I was thinking, you know, that they're trying to cover up, so they're saying, oh, don't worry about that. That was a long time ago. That's the obvious uh, interpretation. And then, so we're, you know, we're trying to cover up this story, that story. Well, right. And then, then the other thing that occurred to me is that they think that they can get away with calling eight months a long time ago. Why? Because we are a dumbed-down culture yeah. that's a product of progressive education, and I'm not an 
expert on progressive edu- education, but as I understand it, they do not encourage long-range thinking at all. It's all perceptual level, focusing on things like feelings and yeah. stuff that are very short-range in nature. And so that he thinks he can just get away with calling it a long time ago uh, to the American public. Now, we do have a question on a call right here. Hi, who's this? Hi, Amy. It's Debbie. Hi, Debbie. So hey, Debbie. Is, is eight months a long time ago? Well, it is to a uh, anti-conceptual mentality, I think. I mean, that's what I thought first when I heard him making that statement was just like this passage that Ayn Rand had written in the article, The Missing Link, where she talks about how neither the past nor the future are fully real to an anti-conceptual mentality. Right. And and uh, so, like, for them, eight months is just, it's just the fog of history. And, and and also, like you mentioned, with the Dewey model of uh, thinking, you know, that sort of model of problem solving is just that the natural state for someone is an unthinking just drift, I guess. And then the, their their model of problem solving is is that you you do thinking grudgingly when you have to in order to remove yourself from the state of dis-ease and then, and then uh, as quickly as possible resume, uh, you know, forget about it. And, and it's never really fully real. It's just, I just think the way they think about it is this is something really annoying that happened in the mm-hmm. past and almost ruined their campaign. But now that the campaign's over, they're moving on, so why can't we? Right. You know? Right. right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. The and, poor dead Americans, meh, what are you going to do? And and it's, That's right it's, it's really mm-hmm. it's really, really coming to bite them, it seems, yeah. now. There's, uh, you know, this, this is sort of where we segue into the the topic of honesty because... There might be some testimony this week in front of Congress that is going to show the dishonesty. There's also an article that I have in front of me that has appeared, or it's I guess it's about to appear in a print edition of the Weekly Standard soon. It's actually dated May 13th, 2013. So talk about you know uh, something from the future, right? I was looking at that date, right? But uh, have you heard of this article? It's called The Benghazi Talking Points, written by Stephen Hayes. No, I haven't. So basically, he shows in a series of emails how the talking points for Benghazi were edited. Right. Oh, like emails among the Obama administration? uh, State Department people, the CIA, etc. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, so there's so they so they show you like the original draft of the email Friday September 14th at 11:15 a.m. and then they show you Saturday September 15th at 9:45 a.m. and then September 15th at 11:26 a.m. different versions of the hmm. statements and how they took out references to so-called Islamic extremists hmm. references to jihadists okay. uh, you know uh, and then they they called uh, violent demonstrations instead of attacks, and they, you know, all the, and then of course later is when they brought in this reference to the YouTube video, the radical extremist filmmaker. Yeah, the radical extremist filmmaker Nakul Nakula or whatever yeah. his name was, the poor guy who sits in jail because, or maybe militant filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, the the guy the guy who was scapegoated uh, instead of actually saying, you know, it was. I mean, in the original uh, draft of the statement, they actually mention Al Qaeda. Okay, uh, yeah, but yeah, but he decimated Al Qaeda, so therefore yeah, no, no, can't you, you can't have Al Qaeda if they doesn't. Anyway, the point is, is that things are starting to come out, 
And um, another piece that I looked at was written by Roger Simon of PJ Media. I guess he's one of the founders of PJ yeah, Media. I think he's the founder. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Do you do you keep up with him at all, Deborah? Roger Simon of PJ. Um, not regularly, no. So he's a former liberal uh, screenwriter, but he also had a, a piece about Islam the other day, Islam as such, which was. To me, it's always impressive me when someone comes out and says, you know what, it's Islam, but anyway. Yeah, on. yeah. So there's that. But apparently before um, the election this year, when the whole Benghazi thing was starting to come out, uh, Simon was predicting uh, – well, first of all, he said that Obama should resign yeah. because of Benghazi. I think I we wish all think, that would happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think we all think that. But also – um, the other thing is that he said that it would result in impeachment of Obama if he hadn't resigned. And everybody thought he was crazy, and he right. started thinking, yeah, maybe I am a little too hot-headed about this, maybe I'm crazy. And then now this week he's saying, well, with the stuff that's coming out, maybe not so much. And Deborah, I see you've put here in the chat room a link to an American Very Thinker cool. article. Can you tell us about Again. it? Yeah, that's this timeline of events. It's shocking, Amy, and so damning. Um, it, the the events start that that they're that are cataloged on this timeline begin in March of 2012, and it, it has to do with things like uh, the security being denied. Like uh, let's see, um, Lamb de- 7-6-2012, Lamb demands Tripoli not make formal requests for extension of security teams. Uh, security teams are removed. Um, there's just all these instances that are that are that are ta- you know that are indicated like it's in in this timeline form of essentially this situation escalating and the people in the embassy begging for more security and kind of in an escalated manner and just not only were they not given more security but they had security taken away. They had their security force depleted deliberately by the State Department. And, um, yeah, it's just, you, you really ought to look at this. It's, if, if these things are true and factually correct, then, yeah, it's incredibly damning. And in, if we had someone other than Boehner as the Speaker of the House, yeah. Yeah. I would be more likely to think that this would lead to impeachment. If we lived right. in a rational world, sure it would. Right. Yes, yeah. And Boehner is just so useless I can't even remember. There was there was some jo- there was Obama some there was some joke about Boehner the other day, and I've since forgotten it because it was a long time ago. If huh. I say if anything about Boehner the other day is a long time ago. You know, we um, met Boehner. I mean, it was such an impressive meet. You know, his orange skin, his uh, his, <laughs> his 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 slick back hair, his slick back hair, his his, his, uh, his mascara, his his, his uh, uh, cigarette smoke filled breath. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was, it was awesome. No, but. You know, this is the thing. Benghazi is horrible, and it is really damning of our president. Robert, New York City, in the chat room is pointing out various things. So, for instance, it is really shameful that Obama could be reelected 
with some of the facts about this being known. It is true that what Candy Crowley was her name, who covered up covered, yes, covered up for him in that crucial last and, debate about and, uh, when when they were talking about Benghazi. And and Candy Crowley just a record the old day she was talking about the uh, Boston and she goes, Well the Islamic oh uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, the uh, extremists, you know, she was she even said, slipped up and said the the proper word and apologized. Yeah, so, so she he, accidentally he, told the truth. Yes. Yeah. He, he he's uh he's got the media covering for him which helped him to get reelected but still our country is so concrete bound and so i mean you know this idea of people getting christmas presents from the from the government and that interfering with them electing the right person is another thing too um then robert again points out in the chat room i just it, this bears repeating yeah. obama went to sleep that night, knowing that Americans were killed, and yeah. then the next day went to a fundraiser. Yes, it did. In, in Vegas for uh, Beyonce. So that is shameful. That is shameful. Beyonce over Benghazi. I mean, that's what he did. And then what is worse is all the lies and the cover-up about this group. Yep. And, uh, you know, Clinton and Obama telling the bereaved, telling the parents, oh, we're going to get that filmmaker. You you don't worry about that. We will get him. They actually said that literally. And they, they were like, they had no idea what they were talking about. Were, what? Who? Yeah, yeah there was she what, knew. Yeah, yeah she, she knew at that point for sure what was going on exactly. They all knew exactly. And the thing she tells the bereaved is that, is that there's a filmmaker responsible and that they vow to get him. And they were like, what? What are you talking about? Terrible. So this this Weekly Standard article is coming out. Please, if you can, find it. It's at theweeklystandard.com. The article is written by Stephen F. Hayes, May 13th, 2013. And just spread it around. Again, you know, I do feel like so many of us, when we are connected on social media, we're all connected to each other, and our stuff doesn't necessarily get outside of our circles very much. But there's a number of crucial pieces of information being spread out there right now. And if we could somehow circumvent the Obama media's yeah. attempt to cover all this up and not let it, you know, actually get out to the American people, that would be wonderful. And this week, they'll have hearings with the three of the whistleblowers, at least. That's huge. You know, yeah. They can't yeah. lie. I mean, they, they, they'll, they'll be told to lie, but they're like, I, I can't do it. Not for him. You know, before we go more into the issue of honesty, again, there's one more thing to say about this. You know, eight months is a long time ago. There was a cartoon, and I believe, um, who who posted it on my timeline? Uh, Rob uh, Abiera. Right, right. Rob Abiera posted on my timeline. Thank you, Rob, for posting. And he, he posts a lot of good stuff. Yes, people. A, a, a uh, to the Rob, show yeah, generously. Rob Abiera, he posts the good good stuff both on the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook and on my profile, on my timeline. Uh, on Facebook as well. So thank you for sending this along. It was a cartoon, and you have Jay Carney saying, you know, Benghazi was a long time ago, and then he's asked some question about, you know, why the economy is not doing so well, and he says, oh, that was Bush's fault. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. You know, so if, if eight months is a is a long time ago, right? Uh, but no, we can still keep blaming Bush, which was four and a half years ago. Yeah. You know, we we we've gone from I cannot tell a lie to I cannot tell the truth. I mean, that's you know, you know, one guy a long time ago said that I cannot tell a lie. I remember yeah. it was a long time ago though. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, you know, definitely watch that video of Carney. Look at him looking down at his paper as he's reading that statement, 
And I bet later there's going to be some parsing of that in order for him to get out of an accusation that he, Jay Carney, lied to the uh yeah so that the, he lied to the press there so bosch is distracting me here with twitter messages from the show but yeah but yeah some, <laughs> some Ye- just... uh, yates life is tweeting the show live so thanks uh thanks, thanks for doing that carrie but uh but yeah bosch is showing it to me and he's tweeting a... right here i had a notification <laughs> you know this, this reminds me of the the story that they talked about on red eye this weekend where they said that the Millennial generation, right. when they go to job interviews, uh, well, they are texting during job accepting interviews. Accepting phone calls. And so then, what? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then some of the guests on Red Eye were sitting there texting and tweeting while they're sitting there on camera. So, yeah, Bosch is sitting here tweeting while we're, we're here in the, in the studio. But, uh, yeah, can you believe that, Deborah? What, what would you do uh, if you were, you were interviewing somebody and they were texting during the interview? I, I interview people regularly, and and I can tell you that if anyone did that, I, I mean, there's just no way I'd probably just say, okay, thanks for stopping by, <laughs> and be on my way. Uh, there's no way that I would tolerate that. Yeah. No. But a, but apparently that's what the millennial generation is expecting to get away with. It might not be the same in you know the sciences and things like that, but. Yeah, definitely, because we're interviewing a. Pro- I, I'm I'm privileged to be interviewing much higher quality people, I think, than the types that would text in an interview. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, Deborah, I asked you about the article, but was there something else that you did want to say ab- about the time issue of Benghazi? Well, I already said it. You know, just um, yeah, the thing about the the conceptual or any conceptual mentality and, and Dewey, that was kind of my my comment that I called in. For. Right, right. So then I I think that people who aren't accustomed, you know, just to to thinking in those philosophical terms, if you're listening to this show, so the idea is that if you are being educated in today's schools under a progressive education mindset. Now, of course, there are exceptions. There are some better teachers in better schools. But generally, our education is designed to basically not, you know, teach people not to think conceptually. And it is our conceptual faculty that allows us to kind of remove ourselves from the perceptual level to think beyond whatever we're perceiving and feeling at the time and think about what it might be like in another time and place and everything else. So so the, there's a role for conceptual thinking in being able to think long range. You know, that, that if you can't think conceptually, you're not going to be able to think of, well, what happened eight months ago and how does it relate to today in any way, shape or form? You wouldn't be able to Think about the causal connections and, you know, maybe that it's important, you know, that the the president that we have today is the same president as it was eight months ago. And in fact, (laughs) the the president that we have today is the same person who was the friends with Bill Ayers, the terrorist. But that's a whole other story that I don't want to get Bosch even started Mm. on. Let's not get Bosch started Mm. on Bill Ayers. But, you know, the point is, is that there's a you know, there's a person, a person has an enduring character. These are all things that if you don't think conceptually that you wouldn't even, you know, worry about. And and the fact that Hillary Clinton and or Barack Obama and or other people in the administration were responsible for covering up crucial facts about a situation in which Americans needlessly got killed, you know, 
that could be relevant to whether the president is doing things that might affect your life in a negative way today. Imagine that, right? Yeah, definitely. I would recommend if there are people listening who are not familiar with it to read the essay, The Missing Link, in Philosophy Who Needs It. Definitely. Yep, definitely. Definitely go read that and, of course, read Don't Let It Go uh, while you're there yep. as well. Yep. So uh, so thank you, Deborah. You know, you if you want to hang on, we can go ahead and get you back on in, in a bit. I'm going to talk a little bit about a different topic, which I didn't even know this existed, but I was alerted to its existence by the show Red Eye, Fox News Channel. I like to watch it when I get a chance. And they had a little man in the street, or I guess you would call it ser- sequential hermaphrodite <laughs> in the street. That's segment right. because their sequential hermaphrodite, as they call him, is Bill Schultz, uh, the host of Red Eye, whose Greg Gutfeld refers to Bill Schultz as his repulsive sidekick, right. but they also refer to him as a sequential hermaphrodite, whatever that means. I have no He's idea. A whipping boy, yeah. But he does this little segment in the street out there Times on Times Square, and it's about National Honesty Day. So I had to Google it to make sure that there actually was such a thing, but there is a National Honesty Day. I guess this year it fell on April 30th, which was last Tuesday. So it would be interesting to know whether Carney actually gave a press conference on Tuesday or not. But, uh, you know, National Honesty Day. Were people in the chat room or or online here aware of National Honesty Day? Are they going to rename that National Obama Day and Islamist Peace? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. So, yeah, they had this, uh, yeah, Deborah says she's never heard of it. National Honesty Day, Tuesday, April 30th, and he goes out on the street to basically ask them about things about being honest. And, you know, one thing that occurs to you, if they have a National Honesty Day, you think, well, what about the rest of the year? Right. Is it it the one day that you're supposed to be honest and then the rest of the year it's okay if you're lying? (laughs) <laughs> Kim in the chat room says, I've heard of it, I'm lying. <laughs> and then Joseph in the chat room says, honestly, no. Um, yeah, most people never heard of it. But Well, most people never heard of honesty. I yeah. Mean, I mean, what's what's supposed, you know, what, what what's basically <laughs> happening? I mean, to, to me, it's, it's sort of a logical fallacy to have a National Honesty Day because it is sort of implying something <laughs> about the rest of the At year. At least today, try right? to be somewhat honest. You know, you, you you could say that your um, you know, you, it, it's some sort of ambiguity by placement. And and the other example, the other uh, fallacious example that I, I thought of, you know, and this is from logic class a long long time ago. So I'm trying to remember the actual name of of it, but it's uh, it's like amphiboly by placement or something. But what what it here here's the example. There's a captain's log, you know, a captain's uh, journal that is on a ship. Right. And yeah. And every day the captain writes in the log on the ship, he says the first mate was drunk today every single day. So, you know, next day the first mate was drunk today. The first mate was drunk today every single day. So then one day I guess the captain is sick and the first mate has to take over and he gets to write in the log. And he writes the first mate writes in the log. The captain was sober today. That's funny. It's hysterical, right? And the reason it's funny is because you think, okay, well, if he's sober today and you're making note of it, 
then right. it must be. You know, it, it's like those backwards compliments when the people tell you, oh, you look very nice today. It's like, well, what do I look like <laughs> the rest of the year, chopped liver? Right. You know? Or you look so much better now. Yeah, you, you, look, so, you look so much better. So so you think, okay, yeah, why, you know, Stephanie in the chat room has it. She says, you know, why make a special day for honesty? Isn't honesty something that we do every day? Why should you? Well, a lot of people don't. Now, you might say, well, we just want a special, you know, a day of the year to sort of think about honesty and we want to think about the importance of honesty. And so it's not really that we're telling you, well, be honest today, but don't be honest the rest of the year. It's just that we want you to have a little bit of a renewed focus once a year on this particular thing. Who's behind this day? I don't know who's behind this day, actually, Bosh. You want to That'll do a little research yeah. and, and find out who's behind this yeah. day? We find out it's Barack Obama <laughs> and that he really wants you to only think about honesty That's one it. time a year as part of his Just progressive once. education campaign. I don't I don't know. But, you know, I, I remember that Benjamin Franklin was in favor of putting focus on particular virtues on a rotating basis, but I think he did it more on a weekly basis. Like he would focus on productiveness or something you know on a particular week and maybe honesty on another you know a tidiness or he had all kinds of interesting things that he was he was working on and improving his character but yeah you think well what about the rest of the year and then listen how bill schultz approaches people in times square this is the funny thing he says uh he says when was the last time you lied right that's the question right. now speaking of logical fallacies that's basically a complex question because it assumes, of course, that there was a last time that you lied. I mean, maybe the person's been honest for his entire life. It could happen. Or maybe the time that he lied was so long ago he can't even remember it. I don't know. But, you know, when was the last time you lied? And then people were saying, oh, well, I lied yesterday because I was at a bar and somebody approached me and I said I was taken Right. I, I, you know, we could talk about whether that's actually a lie or if that's somebody saying something in order to retain some sort of privacy and, you know, get some sort of leech off for her or something. But I, I don't know. Um, there's, uh, you know, if you if you just say get lost or you know if the guy says do you have a boyfriend and you say, you know, yes because if you say no then he's going to stick around and breathe his horrible alcohol and cigarette smoke fused breath. Uh, there. Bill Bill stuck to it pretty well. Who, what is this? Uh, about Honest Day. He says mm-hmm. uh, Honest Day is celebrated April 30th in, in America. M. This Hirsch. is Wikipedia. He's using Wikipedia yeah. as a source. Yeah, disclaimer, true. disclaimer. It was invented by M. Hirsch Gold, Goldberg, who chose the last day of April since the first day of that month, which is April Fool's Day, celebrates falsehoods. On this day, anyone participating may ask any question they choose, and the opposing person should give a truthful and straightforward answer. That's that's the idea. So he actually, Bill actually stuck to it. So, okay, it was about asking others questions. Okay, well, if that's what this day is about, if this day, Honesty Day, is about the right of anybody to ask anybody else any question and get an answer, I think that's an anti-privacy day. I don't like it. But they, the media, on uh, they, they should make a point to ask Obama particular questions that day. You mean? Oh yeah. It's Honesty Day, so keep that in mind. You know. <laughs> As if that would mean anything of to him. Of course it wouldn't. As if it would mean anything at all. I don't even know. But uh, but yeah, so. Bill goes out on the street, asks people, when was the last time you lied? 
definitely a complex question. The classic example, as as Robert in the chat room points out, is <laughs> when actually, yeah, when 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 have uh, when did you stop beating your wife? Right. Um, he asked, "Have you beat your le- wife lately?" Is that the? But really, it's have you stopped beating your wife? Yeah. So the implication is that you have been beating your wife, and the only question is whether you've stopped. Yeah. Uh, but but one thing I wanted to say uh, about National Honesty Day, all you know, joking or criticism of anybody aside or anything else, it was it was a cute little segment that they did on yeah. on Red Eye, and it was cool that they actually went out and talked about it a little bit. So that was right. kind of, that was kind of fun. But I think objectivism is so unique. Rand's philosophy is so unique with respect to honesty because Bill, for instance, Bill Schultz asks a woman on the street during his little segment. He says, well, you know, what does honesty mean to you? And she says, well, it means not trying to deceive anybody else. Right. right. Not trying to deceive anybody else. Right, right, And that is the standard understanding of honesty. That you're honest as long as you are not trying to get away with anything with respect to other people. You're not trying to put one over on anybody else. Right. And And for objectivism... Honesty is important primarily with respect to yourself. It is important, most important, for you to be honest to yourself first. And then, of course, you need to also be honest to other people. You cannot lie to other people in order to obtain any sort of a value. Um, But it's not faking reality in any way, shape, or form. But most importantly to yourself. Now, why is that? Why? Because for objectivism... Our rational faculty. Man is the rational being. We survive primarily by reason. And any time that you lie, whether to others or to yourself, you are putting your rational faculty at war with reality. You have to figure out and keep track of all the different ways that you have lied to different people or to yourself or whatever and keep covering it up and keep, you know, trying to. Uh, you know, fudge the facts here and there, here and there, always covering your lie. So, yeah. I mean, let's go back to, you know, Benghazi was a long time ago in Bosch's sense, right? Mm. Bosch was talking about the fact that maybe it was a long time ago to Jay Carney and other people in the administration because they've been having to cover this up for eight months. And they truly have to answer for it. They're like, what? It's exhausting. You know, come on, guys. It's exhausting to be at war with reality. Yep, exactly right. Exactly so, right. So there's that aspect of it. You know, you don't want to be at war with reality. Moreover, insofar as you are putting yourself at war with reality, reality is your enemy, you are undermining your rational faculty. You are undermining your basic means of survival, the faculty that we use. I mean, we don't survive primarily through brute force, right? We don't have long claws that we can use to tear flesh and overwhelming physical strength and all those different things. It's always fun to read um, Hobbes on this point. You know, men, even the strongest with respect to the weakest, you know, the strongest cannot rest on his laurels with respect to the weakest man. If the weakest man catches the strongest man off guard and uses his brain, he can kill the strongest guy. You are not going to survive by physical strength. Mm-hmm. You're not also going to survive as many animals do as, as hunter-gatherers. You certainly can't survive as a plant by sitting still and hoping for all the nutrients that you need to come your way. How do you survive? You survive by reason and using your reason to manipulate your environment. If you undermine your rational faculty by telling lies, whether to yourself or other people, 
then you are destroying yourself. Honesty is selfish. It's not about whether you're trying to put one over on other people. It's not primarily about that. It's about that too. But it is primarily about maintaining that connection with reality. And that's one thing that I always thought was so great about objectivism, what is so unique about it, is this understanding of honesty as selfish. Kathleen in the chat room says, it's exhausting to be at war with your evasion of reality right. for the Obama administration. Right. That's exactly right. And the constant reminders. I mean, you know, Americans, they do forgive a lot, you know, with Obama. But when you know that this guy just went to sleep knowing that Americans have been killed or about to be killed, that's unforgivable for, mo- for most Americans, even some liberals. And that's why I think this story is staying alive. Yes, definitely. And Carrie in the chat room here is adding a little bit of formality to my off-the-cuff explanation of the selfishness of honesty here. This is a quote from Atlas Shrugged that he has. Honesty is the most profoundly selfish virtue man can practice. His refusal to sacrifice the reality of his own existence to the deluded consciousness of others. End quote. Yep. Yep. Powerful. No faking reality. So, if... Obama and his administration are lying about Benghazi, first of all, it's going to keep them at war with reality. It's going to tire them out. It's going to make Jay Carney think that eight months is a long time. Nine months is a really, really, really long time. Ten months even more so. And as someone in the chat room pointed out, they're going to have to answer these questions. Yeah, Joseph in the chat room says they're going to have to answer all these questions again on September 11th. Exactly right. I mean, Obama tried to make September 11th, remember, service day? Remember he tried to make that a year or two ago? Now it'll be 9-11, you know, 2001, and Benghazi. And this is all on him. It just, it just reveals who he is because he thought he can just get away with it. Oh, well, you know, I look. Uh, and he thinks he doesn't have to answer for it. I mean, this is this is the sick thing. He's never said anything truthful about it, and he might have to. He might be forced to, which is. I would. I would really. You know, this is the thing. I always talk about taking one for the team whenever I watch Obama on video. No. But I would not at all mind watching Obama right. testify before Absolutely. Congress about this. Absolutely. Although I guess he'd just lie there too. Oh, he would. But there are some things that he can't go around. He, he will have to say something about, as he, what were you doing when you first heard? I'm trying to think. What did you I would, do, I would you like know? to see a tag team of Ted Cruz oh and Dana God. Rohrbacher. Absolutely. Call him to the carpet. Absolutely. Uh, Dana Rohrbacher, by the way, went to high school with my mother. Yeah. So and I have he, uh, a, a little bit of a, a more affection for him. But Dana Rohrbacher uh, is, is excellent well. sometimes when he, he cross-examines people. He did a good job. Yeah. He's uh, he, he's very good. But I would, I would like to see come out the way that they lied about the calls for help, yeah. for security. Exactly right. I mean, if, if government is about anything... It is about protecting American citizens, and they clearly defaulted yep. on their most their, singular, most important you know job, job 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 number one. That is yep. job number one. And that's why I, for our president, I said they're too busy not doing their job. This so is the, the Benghazi in a nutshell. Yeah. So there's so there's that. That then there's the covering up about that. Then there is the scapegoating. Yeah. Exactly right. right. The, guy um, in the the scapegoating of this poor filmmaker who just puts this thing out on YouTube has nothing to do with any of these attacks. Right. 
And why, okay, why are they doing all this? They are doing this to appease Muslims. Yep, absolutely right. As far as I can tell, the refusal to dispatch proper security, proper American forces security, is because they wouldn't want to offend the people in Libya who right. are serving as the security forces. Daniel right? Greenfield, how did he put it? He said, he said something about Obama and uh, the Obama foreign policy is basically don't offend Muslim feelings. Yes. I think that's what it was. Yeah, yes. don't offend. That's his foreign policy. By the way, read anything of Daniel Greenfield he as much fantastic. as you can. He's excellent. Daniel excellent. Greenfield posts regularly at Front Page Magazine. Excellent. And he did talk about the fact that the whole motive was not to offend Muslim feelings. Yeah. So there's that. Um, and then, of course, the scapegoating of the filmmaker. Again, you wouldn't want to want to offend Muslims by even saying that so-called radical Islam or Al Qaeda. You know, even even saying that Al Qaeda is responsible for anything anymore is, is a bad word. Debbie quoted uh, Daniel. Debbie quoted. Oh, this is great. Yeah, Deborah in nice the chat room. Thank you, Deborah. Um, I'm going to miss Deborah. She can't be here on Fridays, and she says she can't be here on Fridays. It's terrible. Uh, Deborah in the chat room is quoting Daniel Greenfield's article, Not Offending Muslims is the closest thing to a coherent theme that Obama's foreign policy has. That was a theme that got Americans killed in Benghazi, end quote. Yes. And I read that article earlier this week, and he uh, definitely got to me because that's what it's about. You know, he he avoids offending Muslims at all costs, and and I think that's what he was doing. I'm back. You'll you'll be back to talk about Iron Hopefully. Man in a couple. Okay, cool, cool. We'd like to do that. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Iron Man if I can, but let me finish up what I did want to say a little bit about honesty. Okay, so there there is of course the fact that they weren't doing their job, that they're covering up, that they weren't doing their job, that they were scapegoating this guy about the filmmaker when they knew it the film had nothing to do with it so they're being dishonest about that these people are a a piece of work the good news i guess out of this is that hillary clinton will likely be bypassed as a candidate for 2016 so if hillary clinton was at all attractive as a presidential candidate somebody who with the help of the obama media could get elected they might think twice now because of everything that's going to come out about her role in Benghazi. Another article that I wanted to refer you to about the Benghazi situation is that there are going to be so-called whistleblower witnesses testifying before Congress this coming Wednesday. Let me look at my little magic calendar app on my iPhone to get a date for you. I think Wednesday's the 8th. Is that right? Yes, Wednesday's the 8th. So on May 8th, there's supposed to be three witnesses who are going to testify. There's an article on Fox News, foxnews.com. It's dated May 4th, written by James Rosen and Chad Pergam, P-E-R-G-R-A-M, uh, saying names of whistleblower witnesses are revealed. And it says, appearing before the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee will be three career Notice they have to be career State Department officials. Why? They wouldn't be short-term State Department officials who are loyal only to Obama. These career State Department officials are Gregory N. Hicks, the Deputy Chief of Mission at the U.S. Embassy in Libya at the time of the Benghazi terrorist attacks, Um, Mark I. Thompson, a former Marine and now Deputy Coordinator for Operations in the Agency's Counterterrorism Bureau, 
and then Eric Nordstrom, a diplomatic security officer who was at the regional who was the regional security officer in Libya. And he was the top security officer in the country in the months leading up to the attacks. All three of them are due to testify this week. So in addition to the facts that are already laid out in the article on the Weekly Standard by Stephen F. Hayes, I would uh, refer you to whatever testimony they're going to have coming out this week. Two of them have not been heard from publicly before. One of them, I guess, is uh, Nordstrom. He had testified before, but he was mainly testifying about the lack of security and how upset he was about that. He doesn't see himself as a so-called whistleblower, but I think the other two might. Uh, there was one, I think one of these people appeared on Fox News all blacked out because he didn't want to show his identity, and I think also that they're going to be talking talking about threats that they have received. You know, again, so go back to the Carney language. They're not being blocked. Well, they might be being threatened and still not being blocked, right? So let's see what comes out in the next couple of weeks. It would be interesting if Obama got impeached. I would enjoy seeing Obama impeached. Who would take over then as president? Would it be Biden? I really don't know. Maybe Biden's caught up in this tangled web as well. Uh, You know, Bosch is known for saying that Obama chose Biden, A, because it's like having no vice president at all, but B, because in the absence of Obama, if Biden was president, Biden would probably do a lot of the same things that Obama would do to destroy the country, but he would just do it more by accident as opposed by a nihilist, destructive uh, plan. So... People in the chat room also say, yeah, they just say, don't hold your breath. I'm not holding my breath about it, Joseph, I know. But a girl can dream. It would just be fun uh, to watch Obama, at least watch him even just squirm a little bit in light of his evasions. Uh, you know, again, going back to what Robert said, this, and again, Robert NYC in the chat room, he, you know, bringing this up time and again, this man went to sleep on the night of September 11th, knowing that Americans under his watch were getting killed, that had been killed, and the next day went to a fundraiser. That is just disgusting. And if he lied about the fact that he wasn't giving them proper security and whether they requested it and whether those requests were denied, et cetera, et cetera, if he lied about that, if he lied about the talking points, and how those talking points came about and whether they were edited and also lied about the scapegoating of the filmmaker. These are all things the American public deserves to know. And these things are relevant to the average person. Why? Again, you know, get outside of our perceptual level thinking, you know, that we have through our progressive education. This is the same man who is in charge of implementing Obamacare, which is going to affect all of us in ways that we can't even imagine right now. Uh, this is the man who is going to write executive orders having to do with whether you can arm yourself to defend yourself. Uh, you know, Biden promises that there's going to be gun control by the end of the year or something. How is he going to achieve that? Some sort of weird manipulations in, in the uh, backroom deals and things like that. So this is the same person. What do we have here going on in the chat room? Uh, yeah, Biden would not be as bad. 
People in the chat room agree. Yeah, I think Biden wouldn't be as bad. Biden would be made fun of a lot more than Obama because Biden, I don't know if any of you guys saw, there's a uh, cartoon that Bosch has over at Front Page Magazine. Bosch has a regular cartoon corner over there, and it's S blank, blank, blank. You fill in the blank. So it's S Biden says, and it's all these things that Biden has said that are ridicule worthy. Go over there and check it out. I think that comedians would just have a field day with Biden. I don't think Biden would get nearly the respect that Obama would either by the by the media. He wouldn't. And I think the media, you know, if Obama went down, one thing that would be really nice is that the media, their reputation would be soiled. And that's one thing that Simon, Roger L. Simon of PJ Media pointed out, is that it would be nice to have the media also called to the carpet, not just Obama himself, but the media who covers for him. So I would like to say a few words about Iron Man 3. And I'd like to say them and not destroy any spoilers. Let me make a couple of announcements just before you go. Remember, again, next week the show is going to move to Friday at 4 p.m., Pacific time, which is 7 p.m. Eastern time. That's going to be the new time for the show because of us being picked up by Liberty Express Radio. Thank you to Alan Butler, Butler on Business and Liberty Express Radio for picking us up. Uh, But yeah, we're going to move it to to Fridays and and see how that goes. Uh, The other thing is if you want to make a comment on this show, you can go to don'tletitgo.com and just comment on the post for today's show. You can follow this show here on Blog Talk Radio. Now, I would like to go in and talk about Iron Man 3 and I don't want to give spoilers to people who either haven't seen it yet, they plan to see it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um did people in the chat room see it? No, I'm not go- okay. He, uh P Galt in the chat room says don't spoil the twist. Okay, first I'll talk about something that isn't a spoiler. Uh, the things that aren't the spoilers that I do want to talk about are first of all, I thought the movie was good. I thought the movie was entertaining. I thought it had some good plot twists that are uh, interesting and fun, and and I think you'll enjoy it. So that's what you expect from an Iron Man movie. Uh, That being said, I don't think the movie was great. It's apparently got a really good box office, Bosh. What's the box office? Second after Avengers, $175 million, I think, this weekend alone, which is incredible. So it's done super well. Downey is excellent as usual. Very, very entertaining. Um, So I would recommend seeing it in the theater if you like to go see movies in the theater and be entertained. Uh, I think Deborah had said that she doesn't normally ever go to the movie theater. She usually waits till things come out on DVD. If I was of that policy, if that was my normal policy, I don't know that I would make an exception for this movie. Okay. Would you, Bus? I would uh, for this one scene. Okay, don't don't talk oh, okay. about it quite yet because we're going to try to avoid the spoilers until the very end of the discussion. Um, so, that, so that's one thing. Um, you know, Bosch thinks that there's a scene that's worthwhile, oh, yeah. that worth making the exception for. But Bosch likes to go to a lot of movies. I do. Okay? I love movies. Um, and he actually has seen Iron Man twice already. Yes. I've seen Iron Man one time. I saw it the second time in IMAX for a particular scene. Yeah. And after the, the, the scene left, I, I left. Yeah. Um, 
But in any event, I, I really I did enjoy it. It's worthwhile if you regularly go to movies, enjoy movies. If you don't regularly go to movies, I don't know if this is the one to make an exception for. I would say Les Miserables is that sort of thing. But it was definitely enjoyable. He was good. Some of the things in the movie struck me as too coincidental. Are you going to tell people to, to leave now? I'm going to tell them. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying what they are. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm talking in the abstract. So you're not going to spoil them? Anything here? Not not yet. I think I'm going to leave the spoilers till the very... I know. Okay, okay. I'm leaving the spoilers till the very, okay. very end. Uh, Robert in the chat room says that some films with high-tech theatrics are worse seen in a theater, not many of them. Oh, yeah. And, and this one scene that Bosch is talking about, I think, I is it. one of those that might be worse seen in the theater yeah, in IMAX. In IMAX. It, uh, yeah, it, it sounds like it, it'd be very worthwhile seeing there. Um, but... Um, you know, there are some things in the in the movie that come across as just too much of a coincidence. Yeah, I agree. Too too coincidental, a little bit cheese here and there. Not as cheese of some things, like for instance, music. In the first Iron Man, there's like this ACDC back in black stuff going on. Not as much cheese like that. <laughs> That's um, true. That is cheese. Yeah, that that is cheese. Absolute cheese. Michael in the chat room says, "Man of Steel will be the one that he'll have to see in the theater." Yeah, I, I yeah. would agree. The previews of Man of Steel fantastic. are just looking phenomenal. I think Man of Steel are the only previews that got that got me emotional. The only previews that actually got me like, wow. The mere and music if, of Man of Steel is giving me goosebumps. Absolutely, That's beautiful. How crazy it is. It is so unlike the original Superman, and the, the composer loves the original Superman theme song, but he said he couldn't just repeat it. Right, right. Um, no, I think I think it's it's going to be excellent and worth going. But, but yeah, Iron Man 3, yeah. You know, go see it if you can. There There is one thing in it which is a tiny wink to Atlas yes. Shrugged in yes. the movie. There is a tiny wink to Atlas Shrugged in the movie. What we learned... Uh, who is it that posted on Facebook? Um, I forgot his name. Somebody posted it on your page or something. Isn't I can find that out. Right? No, yeah. no, it was actually in private, so maybe. Oh, okay. Once, yeah. Okay. Well, so yeah, somebody actually uh, responded to my private, assertion that there was a wink. But yeah, somebody on Facebook let us know that the little wink to Atlas Shrugged existed not just in the movie, but in the actual comic. A name comic. of a character. Won't say who, right. what, but yeah. So there's there's a name of a character that gets revealed there, and uh, I don't know if people want to put it. You know, it the, it doesn't even really spoil anything no. to tell you what this little tiny wink is. It's not a much of a spoiler. But I think since we only have a few minutes to go, we're actually going to go into spoiler yes. mode. Spoiler, 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 spoiler mode. Um, and the Run. first the, the first spoiler is the thing that P. Galt put in the chat room there. It's that the little wink is that there's a little, minor, unimportant <laughs> character, a bad guy, but unimportant in the grand scheme of things, Taggart. And as Robert says there in the chat room, his name is actually turns out to be Jay Taggart, which makes it unequivocal to right. me that that's what they're referring to. I guess in the earlier Iron Man series, there was a character called Jack Taggart, right. Right. But, which may have been based on James Taggart. Also. Right, right, right. But you said that, that was just written a few years ago. I don't, I don't know exactly. Oh, if it's if if it's the storyline extremis, yeah, five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not, so if it, so if it's only it seven years ago. It was a long time ago. ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lo yeah, a long time ago. No, but the point is, is that it's relatively recent, relevant, right. you know, relative to Atlas Shrugged it. itself. So. Spoiler. So. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Can I just say the scene in, visually in the movie? Yeah, the, he is is the rescue scene. 
with the airplane. To me, that's just one of the greatest rescue scenes I've ever seen ever because you don't know how the hell he's going to pull it off. You don't know. He don't know. You know, and he's working it. He's trying to figure it out. It's just, it's, it's just beautifully done. Um, now, the other thing that's kind of a, a spoiler, but uh, I, I don't know that it's so much of a spoiler, uh, but it's something that I very much liked about the movie. It's that the villains capitalized on negative themes within the culture, bad themes within the culture, environmentalism the Islamic terrorism piece and stuff. The, the, basically, the villains capitalize on those things. So the villain says, you know, we, we, we had to come up with an excuse to blow up these people. And our excuse was environmentalism or, you know, Islamic terrorism that's still being allowed to run rampant because our government isn't doing our, their job, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I like that element about the movie. Of course, we all like that Tony Stark is an unapologetic rich man who survives primarily by his brain. And there's also a part in the in the movie that shows he primarily survives by his brain when he goes shopping at Home Depot or the equivalent. And I won't say anything more than that about that. So I, I think that there's a lot of good elements. It's not a great movie. It's a good movie. I do recommend seeing it for those of you who are into that, uh, you know, into going to movies and enjoying yourself having popcorn. I have to say goodbye for this week. Thank you for joining me. We'll talk on Friday, this Friday. Take care. Goodbye.